Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. We got a fun show today. It's the first day of the All-Star break. It's going to be tough. We're going to have a week without games, but we will get through it. And we did have something to react to yesterday as NBA All-Star weekend was... Something like it hasn't been before, where all of it took place on the same day. Started out with the skills competition, and DeMontis Sabonis won that. And, you know, if you've watched Sabonis at all, you'd understand there's really no surprise there. Uh, Then you had the three-point contest with Steph right before the game. We'll get to that. You had the dunk contest at halftime between Team LeBron and Team Durant. And, I mean, that was a relatively underwhelming dunk contest, but nonetheless, we still had one, and shout out to the NBA, even though um, there were a lot, including myself, who were kind of just (sighs) skeptical about the fact that there was going to be an all-star game in this time, Uh, but they got it done, and we are past it now, so let's just move on. At least they got it done. But um, I do have a couple of things before we get to Steph, because I got some thoughts on him, and I do have some fun questions coming up uh, uh, later on in the show. By the way, we will be talking a little 49ers quarterbacks as well. 
as the draft talks are starting to heat up. And if you heard me and Shamari Block on Saturday, then you would have heard our conversation regarding uh, the rookie class this year. So that'll be coming up as well today and uh, maybe a little Giants talk too. But I did want to just start out with this. I I was thinking about it yesterday. Every single year, we always try and complain about the All-Star Game. We wonder, why isn't it like it was in the past? Why can't we go to the All-Star Games of old? Well, here's the thing that I was just thinking about was, you know, they tried, you know, the NBA All-Star Game, they tried doing it with the Elam ending, and last year was way more exciting than this year's because it was much closer, and toward the end, the players were trying a lot harder. But it's just, why do we want so badly for the All-Star Game to improve? What's with that? You know, the the NBA and the NHL, quite frankly, I, I, I like the NHL All-Star Game, too. I, I think they got a lot of fun stuff going on there. But we're always complaining about the fact that, oh, it's boring, I don't pay attention, and, you know, who cares? Okay, but when it has an impact on... Let's just say the playoffs, let's just go back uh, to the earlier part of the decade with baseball, for example, where whoever won, whether it was the American League or the National League, that's who would get home field advantage in the playoffs. We were complaining about that. So they finally made an impact on the game, and we complained about it. So I guess I'm just wondering, why do we constantly complain about these things? Can't we just enjoy it for once? And even if you don't enjoy it, because... I mean, as Joel Embiid tweeted out, since he wasn't playing in the game, he was live-tweeting it, he said it was a Mickey Mouse basketball game. And true, I mean, there's there's not much defense being played. Obviously, there's no defense being played. There's no calls, which is, I mean, just refreshing after this year when it feels like every player who talks back to a ref ends up getting ejected from a game. But um, I just wonder, what more do we want? And and quite frankly, I found it enjoyable yesterday. It was a fun little Sunday. I would come in here for the entire hour. I could, hey, I'll I'll talk. I'll talk Harry and Meghan's uh, interview with Oprah for the entire hour if you want. At least they gave you something, though. At least they gave you something. And I I don't know. I, I just, coming up to the weekend... There's a lot of talk of, oh, you know, why isn't why isn't it like it used to be? Why can't why can't we just have a a, a good All Star weekend? I don't know. It's just complaining about All Star weekend just feels like it's something. Just finding something to complain about. But anyway, that that's just my overall thought on it. And yesterday it wasn't that great of an ending uh, because it wasn't close. And what they did was if you if you didn't pay attention and you you did you decided not to watch and you felt like uh, there was other things that could have been served uh, that would have served up your Sunday a little bit better uh, what they did was they tweaked the Elam ending of a game normally it would happen with four minutes left in the fourth quarter and it would be the team leading by eight or, or, or something like that and they just take the clock out and um, they'd uh, whichever team was leading they'd add eight to it but instead the NBA tweaked it so instead they just took out the entire clock in the fourth quarter and they set a target score which was 24 points above whoever was leading the game and Team LeBron was just leading so high, there was no chance that Team Durant could come back. I mean, by the way, LeBron, just a great, 
picker of teams uh, from the playground. But because uh, that's, uh, that's what it's like. It's like when you're, you know, you're in PE class and you have to choose teams and it's awkward because now you're going to choose the last two guys from the Utah Jazz and you got to talk about it afterwards. That's what it reminds me of. Uh, but Team LeBron won for the fourth straight time. And one guy who didn't win the MVP, Giannis did, but Steph Curry, I think, just has proven to anyone who might have forgotten that on the court, he is the most entertaining basketball player to watch. And and it's not just what he can do, not just what he could do with the basketball, but when he's on the sideline, when he's in warm-ups. But let's just start what happened before the game. We had the three-point contest. Mike Conley stepped in Devin Booker's place, and I actually thought if Devin Booker were in, that's the only guy who could have given Steph a run for his money. Uh, Jalen Brown, eh, out on the first round. Jason Tatum, he had a nice little run. Donovan Mitchell had a good run too, but Mike Conley was the one, even though he stepped in for Devin Booker, he was the one that was closest to even beating Steph. But let's just play the entire round for you. Here's the final round of Steph winning the three-point contest yesterday an All-Star Weekend. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game, leading you up until 6 o'clock. We got a few texts here. Just talking about Steph and, and, and just to me, after watching it yesterday, and, and quite frankly, I was entertained by it. You know, the game stink. It's not competitive. They're not playing defense, and they're just letting them do whatever they want, but I mean, these guys are just so athletic, and they are just so out of this world. The type of athletes that just make you feel like, look, I can't do that. Um, (laughs) But it was made clear to me yesterday that we talk so much just about how fun Steph is to watch on the court. Everything that he does, um, the way that he celebrates, the way that he... Just the the way that he plays, it's not boring. It's not like watching James Harden, who will just you know do a couple of crossover moves, hopefully hit a step back jumper. If that doesn't hit, then he'll go and drive him for the layup, um, not pass the ball, not move off ball. So we always talk about that during the season. But when we got when we got every single star, you know, all in this one place, and they're all playing against each other. And they, this is their chance to express their personality. This is their chance to show the NBA fan base, you know, this is who I really am. Because on the court, when they're getting competitive, things can get a little dicey. Things can get a little different. You may not like how often, let's just use Luka Doncic, for example. You may not like how often he cries to the refs every, every time he feels like he deserves a call. You may not like how LeBron does that exact same thing. You know, I, like, you may not like that. But in this All-Star game, when, you know, there aren't any fouls being called and no one's really complaining, it just boils down to it being fun for the players. And to me, there was no one that, on that court that was having more fun than Steph. 
And I, I think here in Golden State, we, we get caught up in that whole conversation without, but there's some bias there, right? Because we don't watch every single game during the season. Uh, but I, I just think that it was just so clear to me that yesterday, Steph is the most fun, entertaining player to watch. And he's just so loose. I mean, and, and for the 707, this is from Mikey Dubs. Steph got them dad jokes, but a cool dad. Backyard grilling with jean shorts and new balances. I can't picture him doing that. <laughs> but but when they had him mic'd up when he was on the bench for a little bit, or I don't even know what it I don't I don't know what it was. He wasn't mic'd up necessarily, but you could hear Steph on the sideline and, and you know him telling Dame to box out. Paul George able to hit his Harden with a deep three. It's like, no, I'm not going to box out. It's an all-star game. But it's just so apparent. And just the way that he was laughing and, 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 and enjoying himself, these other guys, sure, they were a little bit from time to time, and LeBron exudes that energy too, but no one else was on the court to me more than Steph from the 650. The all-star game is like watching Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> from the 574. The skills contest, the three point shooting and dunk contest are so much more exciting than the game itself than, than the game itself. They should add small games like three on three to make it more personal and get rid of the full game. See, but it's not gonna be personal. Like that's that's what I mean. When I, I opened up this show by just saying, look. Why do we complain so much about the All-Star game and the lack of competitive basketball or baseball or football? I mean, the Pro Bowl is a total waste of time because you just you can't have a football game where you're just going out there and having fun unless it's like two-hand touch. I mean, these guys don't want to hit each other at the end of the season. The only intrigue with the Pro Bowl is if you ha- might have some sort of you know, if you have like a free agent wide receiver and your franchise quarterback, if you're a fan, goes out there and lights it up with that wide receiver, then it's, you know, there's that intrigue of, ooh, ooh, those two would be sick. You know, you have that, but it, it's, it's an all-star game. <laughs> like, like, what more do we want from it? It's, it's, it's a way to celebrate these players. You don't necessarily have to have all this competition. You know, it's never going to get personal. Like from the five seven four, I'm not trying to to bag on your point, but it's just there's not much they're going to do that will make it personal. They installed the Elon, the Elam ending, which is last year was good because you saw that it came down to the wire. But this year, Team LeBron had just such an advantage over Team Durant. And for the four hundred eight, KD's team was trash. I mean, it sucked that Durant couldn't get out on the floor. It really didn't, but it, it really did. But Look, it's just, to me, the All-Star Game is something that we find a way to complain about, and I just think we need to stop doing that. Although, I can understand, let's just say with the dunk contest, for example, at halftime, and you want to complain about the scoring, understand that. I'm, I'm there with you. The judging is completely off, and if you saw um, Taylor Rooks, who works for Bleacher Report. She's uh, she's always great doing interviews and stuff. And she also tweeted out that these refs are bad and these refs are garbage. And John Morant quote tweeted it saying, this is why I don't want to participate. Because the, 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 the judges are way off on this. 
So I, I do understand that. But in the game itself, there's not much that they can do in order to make it as entertaining as it possibly can. I just enjoy watching it because, you know, I mean, uh, and I'm not saying you're, you know, as a sports fan, you're too critical if you're criticizing the All-Star game. But I'm just saying that yesterday, it's about as fun as it could get. Maybe you can have a competitive ending. But other than that, it's not like these guys are going to wear themselves out in an All-Star game when they got an entire break to in, an, in the second half to play. Uh, but one thing I did ask for Steph Curry... And I'm thinking about it while watching Team LeBron. Just take Team Durant out of it. I'm not, I'm not even looking at that. But on the court, who to you would you want to watch Steph play with the most? Is it Luka Doncic? Is it Giannis? Is it Dame? Is it Damanis Sabonis? I mean, is it LeBron? Who would it be? We finally saw Steph, on, Steph and LeBron on the, uh, on the court for the uh, uh, for the first time ever, which was a, a join itself, but triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number. Uh, I want to hear from you because I got one. I got one guy who is at the top of my list, and you are going to find this incredibly boring because, of course, you'd want to watch Steph and LeBron play. Who wouldn't want to watch them play? Who wouldn't want to watch Steph and Giannis? Who wouldn't want to watch Steph and Dame? Just hitting shots from the logo. I mean, yesterday that was pretty cool. Just where they had just a they needed a three to end the game, and Steph just gave it to gave it to Dame. And as soon as he crossed half court, he put it up and he made it in. Uh, but the one guy that I would want to watch, and one guy who I realistically think that uh, Steph would have a ton of success with, and you're 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 probably gonna yell at the radio, but it's Nikola Jokic. Think of how much success that Steph had when Andrew Bogut was on the court. Right? A big man who can pass, who can dictate an offense. I, I mean, for me, if you had, I mean, this is just a hypothetical, but let's just take out Andrew Wiggins, for example. Let's just take that contract out, and let's just say you gave that big one to Jokic. You had Steph, Dre, Clay, and Jokic on the court. I mean, the way that Steph would be able to move off ball, Jokic wouldn't worry about scoring. He could get you scoring if you need it. He can post up if you want. He can he can do all those kinds of things. But seeing how much success he's had with Jamal Murray, just imagine what it would be like to watch Steph and the best passing big man in the game play on the court. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero for the seven oh seven Dame for sure. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say it would it be great watching these other guys because it's you know it's Steph. But we have seen Steph play with another superstar. Let's just say Kevin Durant wasn't on the Warriors, and Durant was a part of this conversation. I think a lot of people would be saying, "Oh, I want to see Steph and Durant together. I want to see them together." Well, we've seen them together. And at times, it was some of the most fun basketball you ever you'll ever watch. And with those two on the court, it compromised one of the greatest seasons. Um, or excuse me, not compromised, but it uh, it 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 culminated in one of the greatest seasons that we have seen from an offense in NBA history. We've seen that, but we have also seen a time where there was a little talk mostly during the regular season and sometimes during the postseason too, just about who needs to get up more shots. 
Steph needs to stop giving up the rock to, to KD. Steph needs to, you know, KD, he needs to let him shoot. And you had that little fight, that little argument that would go on sports radio. I mean, you remember that time where Kevin Durant was told that he's taking two little shots, you need him to score more, and then, he, you know, that's why he came out saying, I'm Kevin Durant, you know who I am. So we've seen that. And I feel like that that would happen with quite a few players. I don't know if that would happen with Nikola Jokic. You know, I, I just don't. Seeing him with Luka, that'd be fun, sure. But I, I just think that, uh, I, I think for me, the way that Jokic can pass the rock, the way that he can just dictate the offense from the top of the key, from the elbow, uh, kind of the same way uh, that Sabonis would. I, I'd like to see him with Sabonis, too. But if you can get a passing big man like one of those guys, hell, from the 209, this is good. LeBron would make the most sense. Anthony Davis over the Joker. I don't know. I mean, Anthony Davis would be great. They'd, they'd all be great. But for me, in a weird way, Nikola Jokic would be my number one that I'd want to see play with Steph and my one who I think that Steph would have the most success with if you were to add one of these all-stars onto the Warriors ro- roster. 888 Could you ever see LeBron and Steph teaming up for one year just to try it out? That's from the 408. I'd love that. I'd love that. Can't see it. Can't see it, but I'd love to see it. Who wouldn't love to see it? Yeah, I mean, you know, if if Stephen Clay, uh, if Stephen Clay weren't on the Warriors, let's just look to a to a let's just look to a dystopian time, right? Because at the time we don't want a picture, but let's just say Clay's on a different team, you know, or even Steph's on a different team and Clay's on the Warriors. Whoever, I can guarantee you that if we were asking this question, who would you want to see Steph play with? That number one would probably probably be Clay Thompson, right? So we've seen that. We've seen him play with Durant. It would just be amazing to see him with some of these other superstars. Look, it's a pick-your-poison situation. It doesn't really matter who you'd go with. I think he'd have success with everyone. I mean, I think that I think that Jokic would be great. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Something else did happen over the weekend. Want to continue with basketball and want to stick on this for a few minutes and then switch over to football because... Uh, some mock drafts are being put out, and we've had some talk uh, from Dan Orlovsky and Lewis Riddick, who have opposing opinions, and I got my own uh, talking about the 49ers quarterback, so we'll get to that at around 545 or so. But something happened over the weekend, and that was Blake Griffin has officially signed to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, it feels to me... And and maybe I'm just totally getting a, the wrong pulse from the Warrior fan base, and maybe they are enemy number one already. But to me, it feels like the Lakers are that team, that enemy number one for Warriors fans right now. They always want to beat the Lakers. But now, with Blake Griffin officially with the Nets and the roster that they've constructed, are the Nets at the top of that mantle now? Are they... The top enemy for the Warrior fan base, 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Did Blake Griffin put them over the hump? 888-957-9570. Stephen Lankford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Lankford. 
888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. What we've been talking about in the first half hour of the show, it's been all Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. It's been all Harry and Meghan. And the interview with Oprah, in case you've missed the first half hour. I'm just kidding. It hasn't been that way. Could do it, though. I I can go four hours on that solo. (laughs) And I get my mom to call in as a guest. She had some thoughts. She was calling me during every single commercial break. It was great. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number. Not talking about that. We are talking a little bit about basketball. And, you know, we we could get back to the All-Star game and, 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 and just how much fun Steph is as a player and as a person. Um, and we will get back to that. But we also have some football talk coming up. And some, you know, we had Todd McShay's mock draft, and we've had some analysts talk about the best fit for the 49ers. We had Dan Orlovsky and Lewis Riddick both weigh in with opposing opinions. So we'll get to that. But first, the question that I asked before the break, and I wanted to spend a couple of minutes on this, but when I saw Blake Griffin get signed to the Nets, and, and, and maybe the way that I phrased the question going into the break there, asking you at 888-957-9570, asking whether the Nets are officially just the enemy number one for the Warriors, maybe that's the type of wrong question to ask because for the Tony C. from San Jose uh, makes a good point here. I would say the top enemies of the Warriors this season are the Suns, the Lakers, the Blazers, and then the Nets. I'd like to think that these Western teams are enemy number one. The composed Nets teams are filled with adversaries, but they are a step ahead and a few series wins away uh, from being an official enemy, and that makes a good point. But when I saw Blake Griffin signed to the Nets, so you already have James Harden who Warrior fans just despise, right? They don't like James Harden. They're, they're, they might respect James Harden and his game. They respect the stats that he puts up. But Warrior fans, I think we can come to the conclusion that they do not like James Harden, right? They have Kyrie Irving, who hit the most heartbreaking shot in Warriors history. One of the most heartbreaking shots in 2016, Right? It was just the dagger. It was the worst Father's Day ever. <laughs> right? So you had that. You got Harden. You got Kyrie. You got Kevin Durant, who a lot of Warrior fans appreciate and a lot of Warrior fans love. But there is also that kind of that clique who just did not like the way that KD left. And you know you could you could say all you want uh, you know about the championships and 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 of course the, you can't understate the fact that he helped them win those championships, but there was that conglomerate of people who were just hating everything Kevin Durant. So you got those three. You already had DeAndre Jordan on the team, but now you added Blake Griffin. So. The interesting part is this Nets team right now is the entire team is like a metaphor for everything in the Warriors in this past decade. At the start of the decade, it was Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, a part of Lob City. The Warriors and the Clippers were rivals at that time. Right? You had James Harden. The Rockets in the in the in the playoffs, and you know the Rockets were kind of that rival toward the end there. 
Now, the Rockets, you know, maybe a rival has to actually be competitive or a rival has to have some sort of dominance against you when time mat- when it when it matters most, and they just didn't have that. But still, James Harden and the Houston Rockets were a part of that. Kyrie Irving, again, hit that shot in 2016. And now you got Kevin Durant, who was a part of that championship team. It is like everyone who has had some sort of impact on the Warriors in the past decade has all gone into one team. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you know, sure, they're not the same players. Blake and DeAndre aren't the same as it was with with Lob City. And if you watch any of those, you know, those uh, the the highlight film of uh, of those guys, I mean, it's just crazy what they were doing. But yeah, there you go. They from Tony C again. They just need CP3 and LeBron, and that's it. But you got you have guys on the Nets that all represent some sort of story of the Warriors in the past decade. And to me, when I saw that, I was just like, wow, that's kind of fascinating. And, and maybe it's just bias. Maybe it's just because we're here in Golden State, we're always paying attention. And these guys have had effects on other teams too. But I can't imagine that there is another fan base out there who all of these players have affected at one point in the past decade like they had against the Golden State Warriors. It's just crazy to me. It's wild. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I mean, it's just... Everything, everything a part of that team. All they do need is CP3 and LeBron, exactly. And that you just have, it's like the it's like an all-decade team for Warriors enemies, right? For Warriors rivals. That's what the Brooklyn Nets are right now. They are the, they are the Warriors enemy all-decade team. That's where, that's where they're at right now. Then the honorable mentions are, are, are LeBron and CP3, and I'm sure there are a couple others. Uh, but I mean, it's just, I saw that and I'm just thinking, damn, they really got every single person that the Warrior fan base did not like at some point. Triple eight, nine, five, seven, nine, five, seven, zero. All right. Let's transition to a little football here. And, 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 you know, we got Todd McShay's, uh, mock draft, whatever point oh it is. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, I mean, these these mock drafts, they just come out like crazy. Uh, But here is the latest with him. So he has number one, Trevor Lawrence. Number two, Zach Wilson. At number three, Carolina jumps up, trades with Miami, and gets Justin Fields. Then at number four, the Falcons get Trey Lance. So quarterbacks all taken off the board. The Bengals, uh, you know, they get a tackle. The Eagles, they get a tight end. The Lions at seven, they get a wide receiver. And the Dolphins, when they traded back with Carolina, they got a wide receiver as well. But here's where he has the 49ers. And you may be thinking, Stephen, you've only listed off eight. Why would you be talking about the 49ers now? Well, what he has is the 49ers trading up with Denver and drafting Mac Jones out of Alabama, the quarterback. And I want to play this sound from Dan Orlovsky. This was earlier in the week. This was before Todd McShay came out with his mock draft. Dan Orlovsky, if you know him, NFL analyst, uh, you know, he will 
die on whatever hill he wants to die on. And, you know, someone over the weekend when we brought this up was saying, like, look at how wrong he was about Wentz. How can how can we take this guy's word into account? But the fact is, he knows what he's talking about. Right. And when he gets on an obsession with a certain player on Twitter, just follow along. You know, um, I, I can't wait till NFL analysts uh, find a new uh, new way of teaching people and of watching film, because right now it's still in the archaic way of taking the video with your phone and then, you know, pointing to it with like a pointer thing. I, I, I'm, you know, they can do better than that. They will be able to do better than that. Uh, but Dan Orlovsky been going off about Mac Jones, how much he loves him, all the footwork, the tenacity, the the resilience that Mac Jones shows with Alabama. So when they were talking about Mac Jones on NFL Live, Dan Orlovsky was asked what his perfect fit would be, and here's what he had to say. If the Panthers are a bad spot for him to land, Orlovsky, where is a good team for him to land at the NFL level? Yeah. San Francisco 49ers. Hmm. Think about what Mac Jones just did in Alabama, right? At Alabama. He did it under ah. Steve Sarkeesian, their play caller. Where Steve Sarkeesian was in the NFL with the Atlanta Falcons right after Kyle Shanahan was there. So they majored in that play-action passing game. That's a perfect ideal fit for both the player yeah. and the team. Kyle Shanahan doesn't need athletic quarterbacks. He doesn't need these runners. He actually prefers those guys that utilize that bootleg a little bit more, that play-action game just a little bit more because it's such a big fundamental part of their offense. So I think, to be honest, it's a home run for both, again, the football team, scheme-wise, and the player. Because to Mina's point, she's spot on about this, that it needs to be an ideal fit coaching philosophy-wise. So you hear that from Orlovsky, and he's very excited about it. Very excited. Would say that it would be a home run for the 49ers if they drafted Mac Jones. Then a few days later, Todd McShay says they are trading up to get Mac Jones. Well, here's the problem that I have with this mock trade and, and, and what I don't believe with it. If we are looking at football teams and thinking, you know, you draft a guy who's supposed to be your franchise quarterback. Well, and you do that before anything else. You try and get your franchise guy. Well, the Drew Locke experiment, I think, is over in Denver. It was fun for a little bit while it lasted. But if McShay thinks that Denver would want to trade down so that eventually, who does he have them taking at 12? So they has them taking a cornerback, Caleb Farley, out of Virginia Tech? I don't see that happening with the Broncos. It's not, I'm not saying that it's not like the 49ers aren't going to trade up, and I do have a take on that in a second, but I do not see the Broncos taking anyone besides a quarterback in this first round. Why would you want to? Unless you catch someone in the third or fourth round, whoever, in the second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever it is, and you think that they can take over. Um, but there is some risk with that. And I'll get back to that in just a second and what I mean, but Lewis Riddick was asked about that on Get Up on Friday with Mike Greenberg, and they were talking about the fits for all these guys, and he said a particular player would fit perfectly in San Francisco. The only two I have questions about is this. This is just in terms of fit. Look, I love Justin Fields. I just think Justin Fields would be perfect in the same type of scenario as Trey Lance. So I think to San Francisco, that would make more sense. Mac Jones to Carolina makes sense to me. Again, a team that's going to do some gun, work from under center, 
really be a drop-back passing type of team that really emphasizes the run game, play action. I think those are that would just be a perfect fit for Mac. He looked fantastic running that offense down to Senior Bowl. But all in all, hey, I love the movement. I love the drama at the top of this mock. I can't wait till we get to Cleveland, Greeny. I'm telling you, this is going to be fun. So here's where I'm at, okay? And, and here's what you're going to learn about me if you haven't listened to me before going into a draft, right? There's a reason to me why these guys are all projected to be in the first round. Now, you can you can get, give me all you want about how this guy wouldn't fit in Shanahan's offense, this guy wouldn't do that, and you know this guy would fit better than this guy, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing with me personally. I think Kyle Shanahan is... You know, he has his guys. He understands who he wants to run his system. And that's something that, quite frankly, I don't think any of us can figure out. Because the reason we're so down on Kirk Cousins or Mitch Trubisky and seeing how they panned out with other teams, well, clearly Kyle Shanahan saw something in those guys where he said, oh, that guy can fit with my scheme. And we'll get to what Greg Bedard, who, uh, uh, who's a columnist for the Patriots, and what he had to say about Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll, we'll play that in just a second. But here's where I'm at with this. In the first round, and going into this draft, I don't really care who it is. I really don't. But in the first round, I think they're all very talented. Every single one that they've listed off in that top ten. Whether it's Fields. Lawrence is going to Jacksonville, so that's that's just the de facto, you know, thing is that he's going to be that number one overall pick. So we take that out, take him out of it. But if you can get Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, or Mac Jones in that first round, I'm in. I'm in on any of those guys. But here's the thing: I'm not in if you are grabbing a quarterback in the third or fourth round and trying to experiment that way. Because I know it's, you know, stick with Jimmy G, have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, his contract is going to end soon. And if you draft a quarterback who maybe you expect to be a franchise guy, right, in the third round, you run the risk of becoming the Steelers, where Mason Rudolph did not pan out like they expected him to, and now they're forced to give Ben Roethlisberger just a, another one-year deal or a one-year deal just because they don't have any other options at this point. I mean, they took Josh, Job, Josh Dobbs in the seventh round. I don't really know what the plan was with that. Um, but I just think that if you don't draft a quarterback in the first round and you're expecting to get your franchise guy through this draft, then personally, I think that would be a mistake. And... You know, you've heard me on here about talking about Deshaun Watson and the assets that you'd have to give up, right? You, you, and, and personally, it's a lot. You know, I, I threw out the, I threw out the, the, the hypothetical three first rounders and a Nick Bosa. Okay, okay, that's, a, I mean, whatever. That was a conversation a time, a, a time and time ago. But it looks like Garoppolo is going to be the starter in 2021. So. If I'm taking that and looking at the quarterback now, I would assume that they'd want to get their franchise guy through the draft unless they find a scenario next year in which, oh, yeah, this guy actually might be available. I can't predict that, but if the 49ers have that plan, then then fine. You can take what I'm saying, then just check it out the window. Throw it in a, throw it in a battery street, whatever. But I think that it would be a mistake 
if you're trying to draft your franchise guy and it's not done in the first round? You know, because it's just, uh, it, it really is kind of a three true outcome situation. If we're using Dan Orlovsky's analogy there, or metaphor, excuse me, it would be a home run if they did this. Well, it can be a home run in the first round, but I'm saying that the likelihood of the three true outcomes in baseball, whether it's a home run, a strikeout, or a walk, I think that's much more likely in the middle rounds. And and exactly, from the 415, and you run the risk of another C.J. Beathard. I also go back to Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos. Todd McShay, he says he has the he says he has the Niners trading up to that ninth spot with the Broncos and the Niners select Mac Jones. That's great, but I just don't think they'd want Drew Locke out there as their franchise quarterback or they want their guys their starting quarterback anymore. You know, it's it, it, done with Drew Locke at this point. Right? I just think, and especially, I mean, hell, if you can get Mac Jones, why wouldn't you want to go along with Jerry Judy, their number one wide receiver, who they took last year out of the same college? I don't really see that one happening. But the point is, for me, I just think that we can go back and forth on this guy doesn't fit there, this guy doesn't fit there. I'm going to be 100% honest. I haven't watched every single college football game. I think... That, you know, I've, I've watched Justin Fields with Ohio State, and obviously I've liked what he's done. Um, BYU, haven't watched much of that. I can watch as many highlights as I want to, but that's not going to tell me, oh yeah, this guy's going to be a fit here in Kyle Shanahan's system. You'd have to go much deeper into actually watching and analyzing to me until you can come up with that point. And, you know, I'd love it if you weighed in, 888 If you feel like you know who would be the best fit for Kyle Shanahan's system, feel free. But I personally think that Kyle Shanahan knows his system better than anyone. And whoever he drafts, if they do draft a quarterback in the first round, which I think they need to do if you're looking for that franchise guy, if they do draft him, I'll say, all right, They've they've been the one that have been they've been the ones who have been watching ta- tape. They've been the ones who have been saying, "Oh, he can fit here, he can fit there. Oh, I can get him to do this. I can get him to do that. I can make him have success. I can have him, you know, back up Jimmy Garoppolo." Like I I think that whoever Kyle Shanahan drafts, it's going to be his guy, and that may go back on everything that I'm saying. But if you do draft one in the middle to the late rounds. I'd have a, I'd be a little less confident um, in them possibly being a starting quarterback because there's a reason that they are not projected to go within the top ten like a lot of these other guys. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But that's where I'm at right now um, with the 49ers in their draft. I think they need to draft a quarterback in that first round if they're looking for that franchise guy. Um, and and, that, and that's that's where I stand on it. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. If you want to weigh in, uh, Greg Bedard, who covers the Patriots, had this to say on a podcast earlier this week, and said Garoppolo is Plan A for the Patriots. From what I gather from talking to people this week over the past week, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is still far and away their Plan A. That that if they had to draw it up, exactly, you know, the optimal situation for the Patriots for this coming season. It's Jimmy G coming back here. And, of course, that's all dependent on 
the 49ers doing something. Believe me when I tell you this, Kyle Shanahan is the type of guy who thinks that he can, his offensive scheme can win with just about any type of quarterback. That's what he believes. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's what he believes. And so, you know, this Teddy Bridgewater thing's interesting. I bet you Shanahan looks at him and says, you know, that's a guy that I can win with. Maybe he throws a little bit better of a deep ball than Garoppolo for my scheme. Maybe he makes uh, some better decisions. I Look, I think Jimmy's way better than Teddy Bridgewater, but in that scheme, maybe he thinks Teddy's a better fit. But make no doubt, Garoppolo is plan A for the Patriots, and Patriots fans should be rooting for the 49ers to do something at quarterback. And and if you think Teddy Bridgewater is going there to be a $17 million backup insurance policy for Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, I have a hard time seeing that. And I wouldn't see the point in that if you can just release Jimmy Garoppolo, save a little bit of money, and then just sign a veteran backup uh, to be the starter if you want to get your franchise guy in the draft. There's a lot that's going to go into the quarterback position uh, going forward, but that was Greg Bedard, who is the founder and editorial director of the Boston Sports Journal. So uh, hopefully we'll have more up to updates for you in the coming days. Free agency is, what, just over a week away? So there's going to be a lot of stuff that can be happening. All right. Do just want to give a shout-out to Steph Curry, who is clearly the most fun player on the court yesterday. And here is Steph after he won the three-point contest by one point over Mike Conley. What's up, Dub Nation? Uh, just walking off the court in Atlanta, three-point shootout. I get to bring this home finally. Uh, the Splash Bros, we are back. So uh, this one goes out to Clay Thompson. We got a dumb <laughs> So there you go. And I think there's just no question that Steph, to me, I, I mean, to me, there's no question that Steph is the most fun player that exudes just that energy on the court better than Steph. Uh, coming up, the morning roast. Kate Scott is back, but she will be joined by Joe Shasky and Nick Friedel. They got Alex Pavlovich coming up at 745, Cam Inman at 825, and then, of course, Eats for Free at 930. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. I'll be back tomorrow at 5 a.m., 95.7 The Game.